Hey kids, welcome to Toxic Masculinity with Ian and Stuart. Today we have our friend Lucian joining us. What's going on, guys? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? So Lucian is a friend of mine. I met through a mutual friend, and he he got sent here by her, my little sister Cass. Um, so Lucian, uh, what is your take on masculinity? Well, uh, long-winded answer, I suppose, but uh, it really depends on you know, how you're defining that, what's the purpose of the term? If the purpose of the term is what, uh, what the social, you know, what society might have use for, then that's one definition. If you're kind of talking about something that's a little bit more natural, it, it gets very confusing, right? For sure. Right. So I think in the context of at least like a social conversation, it's what society has use for in a certain role you know, to be as, as general as you can. And then of course, as we know, that gets extremely confusing and fraught with a lot of, uh, discrepancy among that. For sure. But what is it directly to you? Like, what do you think makes you masculine? Like what parts of you? So for me, if I had to define it, at least from my perspective, I would say it is these characteristics of being a man that that I think not only society, but family expects of me to, to be strong, to be a protector, to be a nurturer. You know, it's, I, I think for me, because we, there's a lot of debate these days about masculine and feminine, I think it fits more in my mind when I say what it is to be a gentleman, which is another confusing term too, but everybody, you know, can be masculine, right? But being a gentleman is sort of that that pinnacle going for what those best qualities of masculinity are for sure so we have made a comment well i have made the argument recently like and i use patrick henry as an example like a lot of these dudes that are like lost target patrick henry they see the tough side but they overlook things like him being a flutist like the more feminine parts of him and they just take the shallow perceived version of him and not the whole man you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that it's cool that you brought up nurturing, uh, nurturing because people don't like always include that in that definition. They are just worried about like height, muscularity, money, like the really shallow stuff that doesn't make anything last and is really just pointless in my opinion, because it's just a facade. It's not who you are. It's not a whole person. Right. So, and, and I think that it's tough because a lot of gets tied up in the masculinity, right? There's, there's the biological side, right? And, and, so much of, you know, what we may think of masculinity and femininity, you know, is derived from this biological imperatives, right? We have Mm -hmm. males in species, females in species. And I know that also gets to be confusing when we start talking about, about people. But if you just take that from, we'll say dogs or birds or something (laughs) like that, and you see that there's these biological imperatives that have different sides of the species acting in different ways because nature finds efficiency, right? So we have that biological imperative of, you know, what our makeup is in being a male or female or something like that. But then you also have these social constructs as well. You just pointed out money becomes this thing that's very not natural, 
but it has huge, huge significance to us, right? Uh, I think that you you definitely hit the nail on the head as far as you know what are those everlasting qualities? What what do we see throughout history that's defining positive aspects of masculinity? You're very well spoken. <laughs> I told um, you. I yeah. told you he was nice. He's very well put together. Um, he doesn't belong with the likes of us. That's for sure. That's not yeah. true. <laughs> I'm um, just kidding, man. <laughs> we had fun, dude. We're good. <laughs> Some of that, I think me and Ian are definitely on the same page with what you're saying, because we have, we have a thing when I did it on the first show where I asked Ian what the manliest thing he had done last week was. And I, I can't really remember what your answer was. Oh, I, I hurt myself. Like I was bleeding a lot and people were offering me band-aids and stuff. I was like, nah, I'm good. It'll stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's hey, like a typical Ian, dumb man thing. Ian wasn't taking help. Uh, my, <laughs> mine was uh, was basically playing with my kids. You read Cinderella to read your daughters. Read Cinderella to my daughters. Yeah, that's a good one. With, do you know what I mean? And I think that from what you're saying, that bit really missed out on what it is to be a man because it's not I, I don't believe that uh being a man is just being strong and you know being able to violently drag a woman back to your cave or whatever the hell it is it, <laughs> it, it is absolutely being being a, a a a real man is you know taking the time to look after your little girls and make sure that they have decent role models for men and understand what they expect and things like that. And, you know, that, that, that's, that seems pretty manly to me, do you know, Absolutely. taking that time to, to be silly, which is well, not normally <laughs> put in the masculine box. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, but it absolutely should be. Right now it isn't. And that's the thing. Um, besides, um, besides being a fireman, I, um, I have a little side gig. I'm finishing my master's in history. So I'm a big history guy. I enjoy it quite a bit. And um, what you see, I certainly do think that we have a, a male or masculine issue in 21st century Western world, particularly United States, right? Um, but if you look back, you see that this concept that we currently cling to, that, that a lot of people cling to and think that it's this perpetual glory of what a man is, really changes a lot. And actually, our concept is fairly new. So if you go back, not even that far, we'll go 19th century, and you look at, just look at pictures of men together. Uh, granted, pictures were sort of a new thing, but they did have them. So look at, for example, Civil War veterans taking pictures with each other. They are holding hands. They are all over each other because the concept of an emotional connection with another man was highly valued. It didn't even have any type of necessarily a sexual connotation to it. It was simply that that was a really important thing. And our modern concept just sheds that, sheds all kind of emotional literacy for men, male-to-male connection, even emotional connections with women as well. And so we have this issue now with people who haven't had developed um, emotions and aren't really able to communicate what they're feeling and understand what other people are feeling. And that's new. That's relatively new for, for the world, even. Because if you go back even further than that, go into antiquity, now we have people like, uh, which I always love, the movies, uh, 
about the Spartans where you see these guys in needles with, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they're very manly and they're very straight. And that was not really the case. First of all, they had deep emotional connections with men that was not necessarily sexual, but they also had that as well. For sure. That would shock us now, like pederasty, which is, you know, sexual relationships between men, uh, especially in, in the military in the ancient Greek military. It's just what we have today. We tend to think is forever and it's not. In fact, it's kind of a tiny blip on masculinity. It's not very healthy either. Like you said, like I still do that stuff. I, I talked about that. I compartmentalize a little bit. There's very few people I trust to talk to. I've tried therapy and stuff and it doesn't take for me. So, you know, that's just me. But um, I discussed it on the first episode. I have a pretty good modeled relationship between my folks. It's not perfect. Nobody is, but it was pretty good. Um, what about you, man? Did you have anything modeled to you that you picked up or denied, like flatly tried to cut out of yourself to make sure you weren't that way? So it's been a journey, definitely. Like I think, you know, my relationship with my my father and uh, and I has definitely improved over time but when when i was smaller i think it was a similar thing that was sort of passed down to him which was there there isn't a lot of emotional connection between mm-hmm. guys and so you know that that part of the relationship either doesn't exist or gets very stagnant and i know younger being younger that was a strange thing like i barely ever saw my father cry or show most any yeah, emotion yeah. besides maybe being angry, you know, something like that. Yep. So that, that really influenced at least young me until I, you know, was able to grow and sort of educate myself that, uh, how do men express emotions? Do they even have them besides <laughs> aggression, aggression, anger, you know, and, and I went from that going into the, the Marine Corps and then, you know, in a, a fairly, what you might call a, a masculine profession in the fire service. And so, you know, if I hadn't learned on my own that you have to start sharing your emotions and, and part of that was through therapy and another part of that is that I'm surrounded by women. I have two daughters, <laughs> I'm married, I have two daughters and I have two dogs and those are two girls also. <laughs> so that, that's great. It's great to, to learn from, I think, uh, the feminine side, which is a bit more comfortable with emotional communication, but I will say it's not a substitute. No, no. There is this thing that we lack in the society, which is learning how to become emotionally uh, connected to other men. And there's something that you can only get from that sort of connection. And I found it, at least in my life, through the strangest kind of places. Yeah. I was going to ask about the military, like, because you guys train together and all that stuff and boot. You get locked into crews and all that, like full time, like whatever job you pick up in the military, you're with those guys all the time, like, and women now too. What, what did that do? Did that do anything to change your perspective on things? Oh yeah. Completely, completely different. Uh, a lot of people have this idea about the military that it's hyper male, obviously, like you said, uh, female, uh, soldiers are being integrated more widely now, but being in the infantry like I was, that was purely a male profession at that time. And you would think it would be all of those sort of movie things, but believe it or not, in those situations, you build these ridiculous emotional bonds with other men because you have to. First of all, they're the only people around. 
Second of all, you're going through life and death with them. You're going through a lot of stressful situations. And so they become your family, but it is a very different kind of connection. You'll hear a lot of veterans say that, that mm. I have my family, but I have the guys that I served with. And it's, it's, it is like a very deep family love type connection. And you'll see these veterans being able to be very emotional with other men. Yep. And so it's interesting. It's just not what something society would think automatically. You would think, oh, no, they're all just going to punch each other on the shoulder. <laughs> I guess that comes from wanting to make a stronger team because a stronger team have an emotional connection with each other rather than being hyper macho. If you're hyper macho, you're not going to consider as much about the other guys in your team. But if you have a strong emotional connection, it makes you a stronger team and a stronger force for the task that you're doing. Surely, regardless of whether it's the military or uh, the fire service or a sports team, I guess that's definitely something that um, any kind of team would try and build upon. But maybe because of the, the, the thought is that the military and the fire service and I would say probably the police service as well would be seen as very masculine in the almost comic book version of what masculine means. Yeah, dude. Right. That it, it's, it's, it's overlooked as a very valid and important part of team building. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think when you're conscious of it, it you know, brings it to that whole other level. Like you said, if you could actually say, we're doing this to build a stronger team, it's this conscious effort. Now you're bringing it to a much higher level. I, I think even for those who are not aware of it, it is sort of a dropping of the of the bs so to speak i see this in the fire service too because you know there's certainly this thing where if you want to go into the toxic side of of kind of being something that you're not right of building up this image of you that might just be bs there's no delivery on it it's not real whatever it happens to be and in those situations whether it be the military or in the fire service it's really hard to fake that when you really are in the middle of something so these relationships, these real relationships that you build there are based on truth, are based on a lot of honesty. You can't claim you're great at something and then not be able to do it. And you can't truly say you trust someone with your life if you're not saying that. You wouldn't lie about something like that. And so when you throw all those pretenses away, the emotional connection becomes just naturally a lot easier to, uh, to achieve because now it's like, well, there's, there's really nothing we're lying about between you yeah. and I. And you can't anyway, because you're going to, like you said, I think you're just going to get called out on it eventually because people will see what you can and can't do in real life. Right. Um, I also think it's interesting that like, uh, I, am not a veteran, but I've been around military my whole life, my whole family's military and all that. But it always seems interesting to me that a lot of the talking points are like coming from other places outside of our country, I'll say, but they're talking about how like the, the feminization of the American military and all this stuff and people buy into it because they don't know people don't know the military and what it's like. So I think it's interesting that um, the emotional connection is something that people don't talk about. They don't understand it. And it's never brought up in the debates when, it, when that subject comes up. I think it's interesting that it is a fact of team building and people just ignore that it exists. Yeah. And to their detriment. Absolutely. For you know, sure. It's one of these things that we have this tendency, especially now, currently in society, it's one side of the pendulum or the other. 
right? We, mm-hmm. we, we tend to move away from sort of thinking comprehensively and we simply say either one side's right or the other side's right. And the worst option is in the middle because, you know, that means you're, you're vacillating or, or you're, you know, you're not yeah. taking a stand. But in fact, I think the conversation about masculinity should address that, meaning that, you know, we have this sort of more traditional side with an emphasis on, on strength and aggression and a certain degree of violence, uh, confidence, etc. You have this other side, which we were just discussing as well about nurturing, emotional connection, all of these things. I don't necessarily think that you have to pick one side or the other. I don't think you should. So no, no yeah. absolutely. And, and so you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, where that, that strength and aggression that's, that's prized on the one side. Now, as, as you said, Stuart, you know, clubbing someone and dragging them back to your cave is not an example you want to set for your daughters or anybody, right? <laughs> we live in a society. We don't club people anymore, hopefully. <laughs> uh, however, on the same side, when you're walking down the street with your family and someone comes up to threaten your family, it's, it is part of that masculine nature. You're the person who's stepping up to give punches and take punches, right? Yeah. Like you're, you know, it's, it's not something that we're not saying a woman can't, can't defend themselves or anything, but we're simply saying that that, that part of that other spectrum there is still valid and sort of part of this conversation. We're just doing it in the right way. We, we can combine these two kind yeah. of poles of, of masculinity, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was always raised to protect people smaller than me or people that can't fight for themselves. So like in my worldview, it's just, it's just respectful to stand up for people. And it's me that should take the hits. You know what I mean? Like, just because, not because it's masculine, just because, because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And I think that people get lost in definitions. And we had a conversation, I think, with Jalen, and I was dis- I was discussing how I think uh, people are getting too infatuated with subgenres, like breaking things down so far to the minuscule that they're missing the bigger picture of things. They're focusing on what divides them and what this is or that is, instead of just kind of taking the full picture in and learning from that. And right. I see that a lot. So uh, I don't know, man. I'm taking, I, I like to look at examples of where this sort of, this synergy is possible. And I'm a bit of a nerd. So uh, big into fantasy stuff, sci-fi, things like that. But Lord of the Rings, I know the example has been brought uh, up a whole bunch of times. But you You're speaking at, Stuart's language right now, sir. This is about Aragorn. Like that's, that's the positive masculinity that you're looking at, where, you know, if you break it down into non-super, you know, Lord of the Rings nerd terms, you have this guy who... If this were a movie, and it was, but if it was just one little Hollywood movie, he gets the girl, he wins the battle, he's the king, he's everything. But when you look into that character, humble, cares for people less than, you know, smaller than him, and defends the weak, is not prideful, shows emotion, has all of these elements, but also, and it gets kind of romanticized, you don't think about it, but a soldier. Mm-hmm. And fights and kills on the battlefield. And there's all of these elements to this. And I granted it's a fictional character, but it's kind of part of this idea of that sort of gentleman or what maybe Tolkien would have said is a more noble, this, this air of nobility, a person who has all of these elements and controls them all in the proper way. When it's a time to do a certain thing, you do it within these rules of morality that you've set for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great example. 
for what it should be. But <laughs> the thing that freaks me out is that it, it it seems that looking out, so many people are either denying that or haven't been shown that. But they've got a really strange sense of what it is to be a man. Mm. That 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 it's 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 bizarre the way their attitude towards women, their attitude towards dating, their attitude towards other people in the street. You know what I mean? The attitude towards the world around them, like it owes them something. Mm. And I, it, I don't really know how to kind of get that across. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you make them wake up a bit and go, oh, I'm missing out on what what the reality is. Why is their worldview so skewed that they are all they talk about is you know drinking too much, fighting in MMA, and uh, sending dick pics as as their first foray into dating? Do you know what I mean? Or taking videos of girls that they're going out and posting them online and all this stuff. What the it's also weird too, because if you're nurturing or supportive of like your partner, if it's a woman, especially then you get called a simp by these same people that are like doing the shallow tough guy thing. Like you're just trying to be even, totally. even if it's not somebody you're with, like I, I backed up one of my friends and I was like, yo, this person deserves credit for their hard work. And I got called a simp and I was like, hundred percent dude, like whatever. But it's so weird. Like you can't, they can't understand that part of it. And to them, it makes you less masculine or it's some kind of put down because you're supportive of somebody. Why would you, why would you, why would you support someone else? You should only be supporting yourself and pushing yourself forward. Yeah. Not, not trying to lift everyone else up. It doesn't make any sense. Have you guys seen that stuff happening? Like, have you seen dudes that like talk other guys down for like being supportive to people? Like, I know that you specifically Lucian are in like, you've been in subcultures that happen to also be a job, but it's very reliant and they're very tight groups. So I don't know if you've seen a lot of that outside of your group. I think, I think there's kind of three elements in play there. Yes. To answer your question, I I've certainly seen that behavior mm-hmm. everywhere because I think that there's no matter what, what society you go to or what, what subgroup of, of men that you work with, there's going to be people like that for sure. There's going to be people who, miss whatever you want to call it misuse or are misguided within masculinity just like there's ways to be misguided within femininity as well i mean there's always a a a way of kind of having this a perverse view on something right and yes there's the first element of sometimes men are afraid and fear is not something that is easily dealt with, especially now where men are not really being taught and reinforced that emotions, being able to process your own as well as connect with others on an emotional level is not something that's reinforced. So number one, you don't know how to deal with that. Fear is a difficult one for men to, to deal with. You're not supposed to be afraid, which is ridiculous because the world is scary and you are going to be afraid of things. Yeah, exactly. You know? Even Marines and firemen get afraid. And you should. It's a useful you should. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it's yeah. very helpful. <laughs> to alive, that's why your brain has it. Uh, but that's one uh, you know, thing is just really just being afraid of being afraid. And so what we're going to do is just attack and push at everything, hyper-aggressive, right? This helps mask that. This helps keep us in a place where we 
can put down that fear before it, it comes to our door. That's one. I think another element of it is right now with sort of the culture wars that are certainly happening is there's going to be reactions, right? Throughout history, there's always that way. When you have a movement in one direction, you're going to get some people who are coming back and saying, you're moving too far, not comfortable with this, and I'm going to bring back something that's not quite the past, but it's my version of what I think the past is, and I'm Mm -hmm. going to rate that. And then finally, you have the third element, which, Stuart, you talked about, which is the online stuff, which nobody knows how to deal with. Uh, and and men are no um, exception to that. And so, you know, they're feeding into, you know, all of uh, these fears and these these issues are being amplified. Not only, you know, here's my message online, hate all women or whatever the situation is, but also, like you said, taking pictures, posting them and doing these things. No human being knows how to deal with this type of stimulation. So all those three things at work are creating a real kind of toxic stew for everybody, men and women, but certainly, certainly men. Yeah. I think the online sphere is really bad because it allows people a certain amount of anonymity so they can hide behind a profile picture. That's not theirs, a random name. It's, you can't really, most general public can't trace somebody down to figure out who they are. It happens a lot, especially, uh, you know, social media stuff. There's always the tough guy who doesn't have his own face up because he's, you know, like, Dudes spew, like spewing Nazi things, but they can't show their face because they're afraid they're going to get fired. It's like, if you're so right, then why are you hiding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You obviously know something's wrong if you're hiding who you are, but you're still doing it. And it could be for attention. It could be just to be an asshole. It could be trolling, but like, it's still not okay. And it happens, this kind of stuff happens a lot more because um, I think a lot of social skills are gone too. People can't communicate face to face. And I see a lot of stuff online, especially that people would never do face to face with somebody like they would not have the nerve to do it. And they don't have the experience or the stress or anxiety inducing things happening to them face to face or in real life to give them the fear that they should have of doing it. Is that because they, I I don't know. Don't, they wouldn't do it or the, because of the very nature of speaking to people online is like you're it's third person so you're missing so many of the cues that for you're sure. you would not normally t- that you would normally be taken in for your for your brain to go oh okay perhaps yeah, yeah. you know and so if you remove that out of society if you remove you know whatever percentage of communication that that is then you end up going down this weird path of I can say whatever I want with no consequences. I can. It's pretty much what it is. Like you and I grew up, Stuart, in an era where there was no internet, so we had to say stuff Ooh. to people's faces. You had no choice. True. And that we kind didn't. Of... We, we didn't. We had landlines, and that was it. <laughs> it was like here too, by the way. I'm just yeah. saying. Like we all grew. So we all grew up in an era where you had, to, if you wanted to shit talk somebody, you had to do it to their face and accept the consequences. That doesn't. That's not true anymore. Right. Yeah. Especially in the male sphere, like you know you could get talked back to or back in the day. And even today you could get punched in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, could have a conversation of whether that's proper or not, but it's, it's funny. The next time you see a group of men communicating, look at how they're communicating with each other. This is a very interesting exercise. So not only yourselves, but everybody listening that, when you're seeing men communicating, look at their bodies, look at how they're oriented toward each other. 
very typically, you will not see them face to face. If they're in a booth or something at a table, they kind of have to be different story. Very often, they will choose to be shoulder to shoulder, facing in the same direction or in a circle. And the reason behind this, at least I've you know heard people talk about it, but it makes a lot of sense with me, is that men have this greater predisposition toward confrontation. It's just kind of built into that that DNA, right? If you look at how males of other species compete, they're competing for a reason, right? It's sort of built into that DNA. And it's not to say that, again, not saying other people don't compete, but when men want to create emotional connections, they do tend to do it shoulder to shoulder in some type of shared activity. A great example might be like working on the car or working on the lawnmower or even sitting at the bar, right? Yeah. We're not in confrontation. We're sort of in union moving in a similar direction. This is more kind of symbolic, but you get the idea. Because that that's important to us, but the way that we do it is important. Very, It's a very specific type of situation. Just check it out sometime, and I'm sure you'll be you'll see it more than you won't. Probably. I'm, I'm literally thinking about all the times <laughs> I've been out with my friends recently. That's kind of... <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, but it it, it kind of does because you know if you're, you know if if you if we've all been out of an evening, and some something happens in say when you're walking out of a pub, walking to somewhere else, that someone comes up to you and tries to start something, they never do it from the side. <laughs> They're always right in front of your face, in your eyes, trying to get that response. And, you know, it. so that makes sense that on a on an animal level, that maybe being face-to-face makes us, makes our brain go, whoa, whoa careful. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's the bigger silver back here. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And it is, it shuts down that emotional connection very often, unless you're with somebody who, again, you have a deep, Yes, an emotional connection with. I I have a friend uh, of mine on the uh, fire department who was also in the Marines. We didn't serve together, but at that kind of shared lived experience, and you know, we're giving each other hugs and picking each other up every chance that we get because we we're best friends. We have that, yeah. so that that wouldn't be an issue with us. But what you just spoke of, that sort of you know face to face, it's it's a battle of wills between men. Usually, when men are coming up like that to each other. They're trying to get the other one to back down. Again, look back to nature. When males compete, they're not competing to kill each other. In fact, they hope not to to do that because that's risky. It's dangerous. What they really want to do is assert the dominance for the other one to walk away. So when you're face-to-face with with a man that you don't have that deep trust with, it's not going to be possible to have that connection because you're going to be sort of a little bit in that DNA mode of, uh, here we are, who's the one who's backing down first sort of thing. Yeah, in in my experience, I see a lot of guys like doing the big, big flamboyant kind of like yelling and getting in people's faces. But the people I'm more afraid of are the ones that stay calm. Like when people are in your face, if you stay calm, that should project more of a don't fuck with that person. Yeah, confidence can means, be beautiful and terrifying. It means that person's not new to this either, so they're used to it or more stressful situations. And I think people overlook that they they go again to the big like show of like, I'm a tough guy, I'm a yell in your face and all that. But I think the guy that stays calm in that situation is the dude you should be afraid of. That's well, just that, my experience. Well, that demonstrates discipline and training for sure. 
you know, if somebody's sitting there not engaging with that, even if they're the, the target of that, they're probably thinking of what's happening next. So what happens next is if this guy does this, yep. I'm going to hurt him or kill him. And yep. so, you know, it's, it's a focus on that task. That person I enjoy. Yes. Yes. That, <laughs> that's kind of what we're talking about, right? We're talking about that person who is uh, disciplined yep. and has been able to say, here, I have this ridiculous aggressive element, right? Whether they find that through, you know, martial arts, jujitsu, something like that, military training, whatever the situation is, they have this, but it's at my command. It doesn't control me. It's sitting here waiting to be used if absolutely necessary. You know, for me, I haven't been, thank God, I haven't been in a, a, an actual physical or, or true violent physical altercation that wasn't training yeah. uh, since the military. And it's good because something clicked in there where I'm able to see ahead. Either either I'm going away in handcuffs or something even worse is happening. And so somebody can do that to me all they want. I'm just going to leave because... I, I don't have a need to prove my masculinity at this point, right? And you're also trained and you know how easy it is to actually injure and or kill somebody even by mistake. Well, right. Well, I'm also getting older. There's probably somebody who's bigger and stronger than me, but I do think that, that that is part of it is that there's a lot of young men out there who either don't have the correct, have, have a proper outlet to both explore and prove their masculinity because that is important to men for sure to be able to prove that masculinity especially as a young man so to not have the proper outlet you're going to find an outlet and quite often it's the wrong one if you're just kind of randomly looking find it in a bar find it in a pub find it uh, out on the street that's yeah. not good you know that's going to yeah. be bad but if you can find some some healthy outlet for that that sort of shows i'm doing this thing that I feel like I, I should be doing, right? Whether it's these these great physical acts or or mental acts, whatever it happens to be. Yep. It's just finding that proper way to do it. For sure. I mean, and also you gotta weigh the checks and balances too if somebody's in your face. Like, is it worth going to jail tonight for this? Is it worth not going home potentially for this? Like whatever the problem is, like even just even beyond being confident, there's other things you need to consider. Right. And for and what too, right? Exactly. Like, what, what for me. <laughs> Probably so, had too much to drink. Probably, more than likely. It happens. Yeah. Due to a guy, right? It, it, it unleashes, in many cases, when you lose control, it unleashes those sort of primal instincts, but without that evolved control that we yeah. have. Yeah. You know, where we're not clubbing people over the head. We're no longer capable. Most of us have evolved to the point where we have forethought, you know, in the front of our brain, thinking about what's going to happen after right now. And we lose that when we're severely inebriated. And so, you know, without that control or without that experience, that proper experience, you're not going to see a lot of people who go and do something like uh, an actual martial art, Brazilian mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu, things like that, actually in there, you're not going to see those people usually engaging behavior like that. It's actually quite rare because yeah, yeah, for sure. about that discipline says that is a ridiculous thing to do. You know, we, you don't do that with this power. This power actually teaches you to be way more controlled. Yeah. I, I took Kali and they always taught you like the idea is to get, it trains you to fight multiple people, but the idea is to get away, not to fight. So like they'll try to incapacitate somebody or disarm them or whatever, just so you can get away. And to Stuart's point, you know, you, you, you do have this 
this this people these these men who watch a lot of MMA right may not be yeah, involved yeah. in the discipline they watch it and they're like ah oh, that's great beating someone's head in is wonderful uh, but they don't actually engage in the discipline the, yeah. the martial art that that would promote don't ever fight this yes a lot of this is training to fight but all of your steps for success are not getting engaged in in a fight <laughs> it's the front all the, the it's all the fronting. I mean, yeah, that's all the facade. If you yeah. look at Conor McGregor, everything he does is this bigger cartoon front of, you know, I'm going to beat the crap out of you, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, it just doesn't. And th- so other guys that are watching are going, that's Conor McGregor. I want to be just like him. Right. And, and but, yet, he- at the same time, if somebody was to come up to Conor McGregor pissed uh, in a bar, the odds that Conor, Conor McGregor would actually hit them are probably pretty slim. Absolutely. What, what is, what are, you know, look for people's actual motivations. Yeah. There's money to be made by mm-hmm. this character. There's yeah. a, a certain amount of psychological advantage in a fight, right? We talked about that before. Yep. Much of fighting, much of war is getting someone to quit in their mind uh, bef- before you annihilate each other, right? You look back through history, wars aren't fought where the entire losing army is destroyed. No, they just leave. That's, and that's same as man on man, right? I want to get into your head. I want to create a space where you're worried about me before I ever have to put my hands on you. So it's people not seeing that, right? The uneducated seeing this character that is partly a character to promote his brand and make, a, I'm sure, a ton of money in the process of that. But in addition, if you're going to fight someone, you want them to be off of their game. These are two professionals going at it, right? And any advantage you could have to make that other person be sort of not quite right going into this or feel less confident. But as we said before, you know, if you're just watching things and you're trying to, because you're not getting that education or that connection of you know what is a man and how am i supposed to act how am i supposed to feel but you see the internet and the algorithm that provides young men you're just going to get people getting punched in the face and and the sort of raw aggressive portion of it for sure um what do you think is lucian what do you think is the most toxic traits you've seen like especially recently since things seem to be getting slightly worse and i think I think that the reaction, some of the reaction stuff, um, and when I say reaction, I mean uh, a reaction to some of the the feminist uh, pushes and maybe even the, the transgender uh, evolutions that are occurring right now. I think the, some of the reactions to that, because they are reactive in nature, push so far into a certain realm, I do think that that's probably some of the worst. There's always been these lingering issues with with men in the 20th and 21st century, this lack of emotional intelligence, this yep. ability to express it. But now we're combining that with uh, a general, uh, I don't know if I would say hatred, but uh, a putting down of, of, the, of, female, uh, of the female side, right? Like... Um, I won't even say names. Again, it's, it's funny. The YouTube algorithm doesn't know what to do with me because I get stuff from both sides. <laughs> I, I, I do too. We I watch a lot of debates. So sexual yeah. objects, you know, completely. Uh, and, and some of that reactivity does have that symbolism in it, right? Where like women are, are purely 
purely for that. They're not intelligent. And I, I think that's, that's pretty bad if you're an adult man and you look at that. Even the ones who might be a little bit further on that side and on the reactive side, they kind of see that that's not the case because they know plenty of women. But as a young man, I think that's particularly dangerous because these are these formative years. And if you don't have somebody or something pushing back on that, that may become really how you treat and how you, how you interact with women going forward. But I mean, I mean, they all have mothers. Like you, you can't, Shoot, you, I don't, you can't go around thinking your mother's stupid. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. How, so, but if they're treated that way by their spouse, and this is this, you know, issues right, and yeah. all sorts of you know emotional issues that are transferred through generations. Um, if that's the example that you see, and that's combined with the fact that you know your father never taught you how to feel or things like that, it can make quite a potent you know, combination where, you know, now it's, well, okay, that's how I'm going to treat women from here on out. So speaking of like similar topic, what do you think about this incel stuff that's been going on? Like, You'll have to they, explain that to me. Uh, it, me too. <laughs> <laughs> they're celibate against their will, basically. So they, oh, okay. those guys that are like very, they're very, they, they feel I'm not going to speak for all of them, but generally from what I see, they feel like women owe them something like they're nice guys. So why don't girls like me? And that girl should be with me because I'm a nice guy. And I think they lose in some of their talking points, the fact that you're not a nice guy. If you think somebody owes you something and you keep saying that I'm a nice guy, you just, you owe me like you, it's not how it works. It's not a trade. Like they're not goods we're trading. Right. Um, there's again, we're at such a pivot point in the Western world, socially, there's, there's a lot of things happening. The, the, the pendulum moves back and forth fairly rapidly, depending on, you know, what, what, you know, social media platform you're on and what news channel you watch. But as far as that goes, I think we, this goes along with what I had said earlier. We do have a male problem, especially in the U S but I think in the Western world in general, where men are feeling very lonely. And part of it is a, a, all people, men and women and, and, and everyone, are becoming more isolated because of this internet phenomenon, because of the way society is moving, where we're spending a lot of time. The, you know, the bowling leagues of the 70s and 80s are gone, right? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we don't go out and spend time with each other nearly in the way that we used to. And we don't do it as, I guess, I guess it would be sort of back in the day, there was a lot of gender specific uh, hanging out. where. Yep. You know, these bowling leagues were male and some of them were female and you had female only things, male only things. Again, not saying that's the way to go, but simply saying that people had a lot of time to emotionally communicate with other people who were just like them in the same walks of life, maybe men together, maybe women together. We don't have that as much anymore. And you combine that with the fact that there is other stuff going on with men and women in the society, particularly the fact that far less of them are getting married. Many of them are getting married later. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but we as people aren't catching up with this new construct. And so you get a lot of folks who are saying, all right, well, I'm not, you know, putting out my feathers. I'm not peacocking online and I'm not getting these women to come in and be with me. I don't understand what's going on. 
and my answer to that is I don't understand either <laughs> because I, I didn't have to find my spouse online. I, I ran into them sort of in the, uh, the real world. Ah, yeah. an, an analog dating. Very retro. I actually uh, I very much enjoy having female friends. I have a lot of them. And I think that's important for dudes to have. Like, don't try to, don't, don't, don't talk to women just because you want to fuck them. Like, just have sure. an actual relationship with some of them because it's pretty insightful and helpful. And they'll tell you if you're fucking up, if you get close enough to them. Absolutely. Right. You, don't, you don't need to be doing that to every woman. Like, just be oh. chill. Take Think a person as a friend. I've uh, had our communal friend, you know, Cass, yeah. who's a great friend to both of us. And I've had many, you know, connections with, with females throughout my life because I think that was originally where I saw emotional connection to be had. Yeah, me too. Because traditionally it just wasn't a thing where you're, you're some fathers have been great at that. I try and do that with my children as well, but it's, it's difficult when, you know, you as a father have been taught not to have connection with your male children or possibly any of your children because you just don't know how it's hard to exercise a muscle that's never been used before and so you know i found at least well women are much more comfortable with that and so i you know would Mm -hmm. seek that out seek out being able to have these connections with people it's not until much later in my life that i said well i'm screw the bullshit i've and, and these people that I respect and know, I can have emotional connections with men. It's a good thing. It's really, really, it's good for your soul, honestly, yeah. uh, because there's, there's something particular to those relationships to be gained. And uh, it, I think that a lot of what we have, you know, this, this incel thing that you explained to me, as well as some of these other problems we're having, is that they're not having emotional connections with anybody. No, That's the- yeah. That's the bottom line here, right? Not women, not men. They're having emotional connections with their computer, which is god awful. It's the worst possible option for you, you yeah, know. For sure. So uh, that needs to stop. Is the first thing is is human connection needs to be at least valued more highly in all of our societies going forward because we're sort of abandoning that. We think that this digital connection, even if it is two humans talking. It's not the same. We're, we're not built for that. We, we can certainly communicate ideas, but those emotions, we're, we're in-person people. That's, that's, what, that's what our bodies and our brains were designed to do, is to interact with you within an arm's reach of me. And we lose so much of that. It doesn't mean we can't have this online thing. It's wonderful. But we can't forsake human connection, real human connection. You can leverage it, too, to become friends with people, like actual face-to-face friends. Um, there is something to be said too about parasocial connections with people, which is something in a very, very, very small way I have dealt with in a tiny way because of the the other podcast I'm on. But uh, I don't think most people really deal with that. But that being people think they know you from listening to a show or your comments online and not actually knowing you. It's a weird thing to deal with. And it hit me once because... Somebody said to me, I, w- I would kill to have your life. And in my head, I'm like, I work 40 hours a week. Like, I have bills. Like, what, what life are you killing to have? Because I'd move somewhere, like, that you can't be right now? I, I don't know yeah. what, you're, what you're fighting for. <laughs> yeah. It's just an odd thing to be involved with. I think it can happen 
just being online because you don't really know who you're talking to necessarily all the time. So it can happen there too. But, you know, putting yourself out like this, being on podcasts, eventually that stuff happens. People don't get a full idea of who you are. Yeah. It, it's almost like, um, like everyone, you know, I don't, the famous quote of everyone gets 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like everyone, when they're online, they have that wee bit of, it's like, we've all watched Johnny Depp in a million movies. Yeah, yeah. If you met him in the street, you would think you knew him. Yeah, exactly. He's exactly the same. But you don't know him. Or it's like when you go to the strip club and you talk to Crystal. That's not her real name. She's <laughs> not really in love with you. I'm sorry to tell <laughs> no, you that. <laughs> she, was, she definitely was not Crystal. Crystal. Uh, yeah, Crystal Champion. She's yeah, anyway, definitely not falling uh, in love with you for your money. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. But, <laughs> what a shot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's... um. It, it it it's definitely that kind of thing. It's like you you're getting a very um one dimensional look at a human and thinking you understand what their life is. Yeah, for and sure. And if you look at that one dimension and go, God, that looks great, then you want to try and emulate that. You're not actually getting the whole picture, and then it just you know spins out of control. It's it's. I think this format, the podcast format, is far better than than the other bits of content that do come through as such short form content and the reason being is as you just said someone could take one of the sound bites that i've said here today and destroy me right like it, it i'm going to put it in the context that uh you know he hates women but obviously you could see that i love women huge fan uh if you listen to- <laughs> <laughs> i like them a lot yeah. um, but, but i'm sure you could take one of these lines and, and oh sure it's so interesting too because you know i'll look at you know i don't really have social media as you know uh don't find it very useful to me. That doesn't mean I don't think it's a good thing. And necessarily, I think there's a lot of bad with it. But the one thing I do have is YouTube because every guy's got YouTube so he can learn how to fix stuff <laughs> around his house. Exactly. But I end up, I end up totally. vegging them just like everybody else. And now they've added that short form content. Yep. It's really interesting to me to look at it because it gets very confused. I don't think the algorithm knows what to do with me because I'll get stuff. I'll get you know, on the one side, I'll get Jordan Peterson stuff and I'll get people angry at women, uh, yep. not saying Jordan Peterson's angry at women, but like sort of in that, that, that space of like the sort of reactive space uh, to where society's going. And then I'll get other things on the other side. It, it's, it's so ridiculously charged. Like you said, people, there's no way, you know, anything about a message by listening to five minutes of it. No. And also I think you're a good example because people don't, people tend to stick in their echo chambers. So, and unfortunately the way that online works with the algorithms, it's just going to keep reinforcing that and pushing you farther and farther into it. If you don't actively seek out the other side and what that other side's view is, you're going to forever just be barreling down that rabbit hole farther and farther. So I think having, if you pull up YouTube and you see the same stuff all the time, you need to check yourself and start looking at other things and try to see the other side of some of the things you're looking at. Right. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, my YouTube is a mixed bag too. Like I could get anything from like a communist talking to like Jordan Peterson or Andrew Tate talking or like some kind of like right wing debate with like one left wing person in there and one centrist or something like yeah, mine's all over the place. It's a mess. Guitars, D&D, 
all kinds of stuff comes up. Like it, I freak that thing out. It's great. But I think everybody should have that. I think that a lot of people, a lot more people are like that than, than the internet would suggest. Now, maybe not mm-hmm. the algorithms may not be as confused as ours, but uh, I think most people who aren't saying a lot are, are sort of in that middle, just like anybody else trying to figure things out. There's this idea that if you're talking online, you've figured it out, whatever it is you're talking about. We, I'm sure I could probably speak for the two. We, we have not figured out, we haven't figured out masculinity. We haven't figured out anything, right? The whole purpose is the communication, right? It takes Mm -hmm. a really long time to figure out yourself. uh, This false, this kind of false confidence and it. It's, it's almost like a listener bias where that person may be projecting the confidence, certainly. But if you just hear someone on a five second or 10 second reel on YouTube, which I, you know, I run into, you just have this bias as the listener that whatever you're getting is somehow official. It has some kind of stamp of, I know what you're talking about on it. And so this serves to reinforce that problem. When you have a young person getting this stuff, if you haven't trained them with a critical mind to basically be skeptical of everything, it, it, um, it kind of leads to this sort of, we are, we are just going to believe whatever that, that algorithm is feeding us because, well, they're online. So sometimes I think they want it. They want the confirmation bias more than they want an actual truthful answer. And unfortunately something like masculinity, like the whole reason we did this is because I want to hear everybody's perspective. I want to learn too. Mm. So the problem is that people are searching for a definition of like masculinity that does not exist. It's too involved and there's too many pieces like you and I could be very similar, but also very different on a few points, but it doesn't make you or I less of the masculine of the two of us. It's, It's not a definitive answer, but I think hearing all the perspectives is really good for people. So hopefully if they listen, I mean, we had, like I said, we had Jalen on who was a younger black man. So he had a different view of things than we did, which was like youth black, like Stuart taught him a bunch. He learned, Stuart learned a lot. I I did learn a lot actually, but I, 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 I remember. I remember what youth was, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I, I took, that, got like, I took I mean, that like a like a tiny dagger to the heart. So, um, <laughs> I remember youth at this point. <laughs> it's just cool to have all the different perspectives. Like I'm going to have Cass on and some other people because I want to see some women's perspective and what makes them nervous potentially, or what they think, or whatever. Man, like yeah, yeah. I, I need to hear what everyone thinks so we can all learn. And that is something that isn't done. People just have their talking points and stick to them. Like I can prove that this is right. Cause I pull this many women. I'm like, I don't give a fuck how many people you've, you've had sex with. Honestly, no. it doesn't make you more of a man to me. I, I don't care. No. It, and, and that's, that's the problem, isn't it? Is that we, it, it's uh, exactly to your point where with it's these mix of influences, right? And we do have that biological influence and to, to deny that it's there, whether For you're sure masculinity or femininity is ridiculous, right? It's, it's where it comes from. That's the root of the tree. That doesn't mean that's all it is, but those things are there. And if you don't acknowledge it, don't acknowledge mm-hmm. that that's something to be understood, but also to be controlled for, right? So yes, a man is going to want a body count, right? Because somewhere back in those roots, uh, procreating is the reason that you exist in particular sure. on the, on the male side of things. But you could also understand that, put it within the context of being a civilized human being and move on with your life. Same thing as aggression, right? 
Mm-hmm. And masculinity does have roots, biological roots in aggression and in strength and in dominance and all of that. Understand it, value it, realize that it does have applications in this civilized world under moral code, whatever a moral code is that you subscribe to. And you, and you keep that as part of your person, you know, that certainly in all of my jobs, uh, men like to do men things, right? Firemen like to break things and, and Marines like to go into combat. Uh, these are all very aggressive things, but that doesn't mean that you're destroying everything in your life. It's measured, measured aggression. You talked about the guy in the bar who's not hitting anybody and they're yelling at him and he's just sitting there. Yep. That's that measured aggression. We, we certainly don't want to have no, we don't want to be helpless if we can, if we can manage it, but we also don't want to be on that other side of, well, I'm just going to go back to the roots of the tree and act like an animal. For sure. Like, I mean, like you said, I just, it's part of the root of the tree, but I really don't care about stuff like that. Like body count doesn't impress me. It doesn't really prove anything to me. Like you can potentially let's take advantage of somebody. I, it doesn't tell me how you did it. It doesn't tell me who you are. It doesn't tell me anything important. So I really I don't mention care. The fact that I think we are at a disadvantage as men because I, maybe I'm wrong on this. This is just an, an uneducated hypothesis, but I think it takes us a lot longer to mature. Yeah, for sure. And when oh. I say a lot longer, like I'm still working on it <laughs> in my late thirties, you know, it, I feel like women get it, get who they are. Oh yeah. A lot faster. And we have to go through several stages of idiot. To, <laughs> Never to sort of, idiot. You know, yeah. You, you take a layer of idiot off and then there's the next layer of idiot. <laughs> you didn't necessarily, it just takes men. I think we have this sort of, we are a bit of a bottle rocket mentality, right? We're just kind of screaming towards <laughs> whatever it is. And as we start to slow down, as we start to find our mortality, our weakness, we start to, understand a lot more we start to become a lot more emotionally literate it's it's funny when you are invincible as a young man it's like you are the stupidest <laughs> person in, in, you know in some ways in some ways i can i can no nope, i plead the fifth on that conversation <laughs> no, i completely agree with you yeah. yeah i mean there's still times if if, if Stuart asked me the other day we were talking about it, i was like i still in my head i still feel like i'm 18 but my body and like my consciousness know better you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, that's it. I'm exactly the same. I feel like I'm 17 in my head. And, uh, but when I wake up in the morning and have to get out of bed, my back tells me different. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's this wonderful element too of, you know, if you happen to become a father and you uh, care for a family, there's this, it's, it's, it's very much, I think it can be very helpful because you do you take on these immense, if you're a really good person, a good father and a good husband, you, you do start to take on, not saying that I'm necessarily in the great category of either, so I'll try my best, but you, you take on these amazing responsibilities. I think a lot of the internet doesn't show that. What yeah. goes through a, 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 a man's head, a husband and a father's head, you know, am I, am I being a good father? Am I providing for them well enough? Am I working hard enough? All of these, those things, it's, it, it kind of creates that balancing act, which is very, very difficult. Same thing with being a mother, but I think that it adds a maturity level to two men that 
if we have the ability this generation to share that with our younger men, our sons or our nephews or any of that, it would be a huge benefit because they could see, hey, listen, I know what you're going through. I felt that I was equally on that layer of dumb, but know that there's these other things there. They're important. You can feel them now. You know, I, I just watched a movie the other night with my, uh, with my wife and my two daughters and my wife deliberately chose it because she knows this is a movie I cry at. Um, if you happen to know, it's August Rush. It's the most ridiculous. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it, it always <laughs> makes me cry. And so, of course, at the end, I cry. And, you know, I, I really did consciously think about it when they're like, oh, I see dad crying. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I know I don't do it often. I don't do it as often <laughs> as you do, but I do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. So these, these wonderful little bits of ourselves that we, we can give our, our loved ones and other people if we're able to shed our fear of, of demonstrating that. Because, uh, you know, you don't want to cry around other people as a guy very often. No, so no thank you. We got to get over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the fear of showing who you really are. That's, Correct. That's the thing we need to pass on and you know to, to try and help people get past that you know it doesn't make you any less mm, it's the same old balance man if any, in my opinion it makes you it makes you infinitely more yeah for sure nature is rarely strictly binary so i think that people getting caught up in that divide like we talked about earlier is 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 a problem it's an issue part of the issue i think people don't understand that nature does not truly work in full binaries no no and nor is nor is that masculine side devoid of, of exactly a full range of emotion you know it's <clears throat> like the the internet gives us this idea of of the person who is you know Again, I'll go back to the bef- kind of almost before the internet, the whole 300, the Spartan example of, <laughs> you know, first of all, you're going to war in a Speedo, which is absolutely ridiculous. They, you know, they wore armor. Number one, but they make this sort of reference. I remember in the movie, cause I thought it was cool initially where, you know, he talks about how, uh, oh, the Athenians are the ones who like uh, young men, not us. And yeah. Actually, Historically, it's the other way around. Yeah. Athens made some laws to kind of contain pederasty, where Sparta did not. Uh, yeah. But, you know, these are, or Alexander the Great, for example, you know, he had Hephaestus, his best friend. They may have been sexual partners. We don't know for sure. But what's this great emotional connection between this guy who conquered the world and probably killed scores of people himself you know sure. we could talk about if he's a tyrant or not but but the the ancient world and even the 19th century american world didn't have a problem loving another man holding hands with him on the street or giving him a hug we have now in the 20th 21st century especially become scared of male-to-male contact it's i'm not exactly sure where it came from specifically it's a great question to be looked at but it's there right we yeah, we're very afraid of that. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think everybody needs to find somebody they can confide in, and I think you need to have some of that feminine energy as one of those people at the very least. So both sides need to, like I said, you can learn a lot from a woman if you're friends with them. You can learn a lot from another guy. You need to find the balance. Yeah, the fringes, the fringes of society, are never really where you want to be. You want to be kind of 
around the middle. Yeah, it's called being <laughs> informed yeah. and cultured and yeah. educated. <laughs> <clears throat> well, like some, especially young men, are driven into that corner partially by the internet and partially by mm-hmm. they think, and I think falsely, because the middle doesn't talk that much on the internet, that being a man or certain elements of being a man are not okay. They're not socially acceptable. And I think this conversation that we have sort of proves that, you know, that measured masculinity, taking those things both from that raw kind of animal side and from that, that evolved cultural side and using them in sort of a synergy. Most people are completely okay with that and, and embrace it. I think that that's a false message that being a man is no longer socially acceptable. I don't think that's true. I think people are fed up with a man doing things that are, that is, you know, rude or misogynistic or inappropriate or overly aggressive. Sure. And there's always room to criticize both sides, but I think that that's the false message that a lot of men are getting is that, well, who you are, you're not supposed to be that anymore. No, that's not true. It's just you, we, we all need to work on, you know, valuing what's particularly, you know, authentic to, to those experiences, being a man, being a woman, all of those things in between is that don't trust the internet. Basically, Yeah, basically. Yeah. No, 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 no. Care how many studies somebody whips out. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Right. It's just information to put as part of what you're finding. Like your data mining is just, it's, it's all pieces. Yeah. As you said, it's not binary. We we're not like, you're not a, a simp or a, what, what do they call it now? I don't even think they call it alpha male anymore. They call it some, there's some other Greek letter that they put on it. Now. Probably. Jeez. Sigma no, or something the, like that. I don't the alpha male yeah. Um, and that's not, that's not, that's a false, that's a false choice. That's truly not what it is, right? Again, going to my little fantasy, uh, sort of Aragorn, Lord of the Rings thing. Here's a guy who did all of those, you know, wept, was courageous, was, you know, kind, was humble. Like all of those things are possible in a person, you know, mm-hmm. in any person. And you can simply embrace those sides of you. Cause if you don't, they're going to still be there. And they're still going to want out or want validation. So you might as well embrace them and bring them together. Absolutely. It works out for me. Yeah. <laughs> I also think uh, you being in the military, too, you, maybe you can speak on this. I think that people don't understand how to be leaders. I think that they think it's like sitting somewhere and telling people what to do. And that's like baseline of it. They think that that is kind of where dominance comes from. Like they don't understand how to interact with people or how to lead, how to be a leader. Like you, in my experience, you stand in the mud with everybody else. You're just kind of the one doing like, well, we should do this. So let's do that. Right. (laughs) Not, I I don't think people know how to do that. And I think some of that comes from the corporate world where they have these leadership classes and they're just useless. It's just (laughs) useless stuff. So, well, it's, it's a leadership is always, has always been, and will always be a contract. For sure. Um, that person leading and those people following, it is a, you know, it's a mutual contract. If you refuse to be led, even in the military, then you won't be, you know, that you, you have to do this voluntarily. Sure, someone can say you're going to get in trouble if you don't, but it is a voluntary contract and people want to follow leaders who set that example. So I'll give you an, I'll give you an example of something that I took from the Marine Corps and I, I brought into 
my life as a fireman because the fire service is paramilitary. It's it's in a way we do have a rank structure. We we do operate as units in that same similar fashion. Not quite the same, you know, uh, spit shine sort of uh, <laughs> discipline sort of thing, but but organized in a similar fashion. So in the Marine Corps, <clears throat> there's a tradition that the person of senior rank eats last. So you all get in line for food. And the idea is that if they run out of food, then the person at the top is the one who doesn't eat. And this is sort of a, 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 a continuous reminder that you as the leader are going to take the sacrifices first for your people. That is the contract you've made with them. Uh, you're going to do what I say. You're going to follow my lead, but I am also going to care for you as my highest priority, right? Mission accomplishment and the, your welfare are tied number ones, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I, I brought uh, into the fire service as well as when we have dinners together, right? And when we do... All right, get your plate and get up there, kid, because I'm not going before you. And yeah. that's sometimes people look at that and they're like, that's weird because very often rank has its privileges. Other places, oh, you should eat first. Well, no, that's, that's not how we're doing this because when we actually hit an actual situation where I need you to listen to me, I want you to want to listen to me. And it's not just because I gave you your food first, but it's more of that example of I care about you you care about me. We have this sort of voluntary contract. Yeah, it's just reinforcing it. It's reinforcing what your your commitment is to them and them, them to you. So it's right. just another thing to do to show them. I run a number of recruit classes for the, for the fire department as well. And I certainly do yell. And I am certainly aggressive and you know, provide the discipline necessary. And th- that's because it's needed. Right. I'm trying to prepare someone for a job that could very seriously injure or kill them or others. Exactly. Uh, but at the same time, when it's time for us to do extra physical uh, lessons, because maybe we fell short in something and we have to go up and down the hill with something heavy, I'm never watching them. I'm in my gear doing it the same way because we're, we're all working together. And that helps build that, that connection. That, that sort of sense of false, I'm, I'm in charge, I get more than you, I'm worth more than you, whatever. That's why you don't breed good, loyal connections with people, because they don't, they don't trust that. People follow actual leaders who set examples, not, exactly. not the sort of, you know, I'm in charge of you deal. So yeah. I firmly believe that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But I, I think people need to learn about leadership. I don't think they know how to do it. And I really don't like the corporate world's version of it. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, their purpose is to make money. Yeah, I understand their purpose, but I think, um, not to get off topic, but I, I think the corporate world is very penny wise and dollar foolish. I think they mm-hmm. save pennies, but eventually they lose money long term on things. Their profits might still go up, but they're missing out on things they could do if they did things better. Might oh, cost them a little more immediately, but in the long term, I think it would be way better. 100%. 100%. And, and that's, I think, when you see effective teams like that at the highest level, mm-hmm. when you're talking about, we'll say something like a SEAL team or uh, uh, you know something that's very high, special forces or for the Marines, force recon or something like that. People who are at the very pinnacle of what they do in a team-oriented environment, mm-hmm. those teams you will, you will see are still top-down, right? There is a boss 
his word is what we're going to do. But you see when those teams get together, when they're preparing for a mission, when they're in the midst of a mission, there there is a certain, I don't know if you would say democratic nature to it, but there is a environment where everyone is able to speak and communicate their concerns. And that boss takes all of these things together and makes that plan um, a reality. This is what teams would do. And, and in my experience, you know, obviously it was primarily men in the Marine Corps and the fire department. I was on the rescue company in the fire department and that that was a very similar thing where we would be dealing with sometimes off the wall stuff, a lot of technical rescue situations. And in those, you get your team together, you talk, okay, these are the concerns. This is what I'm getting from my experience. This is what you're getting. And then that boss says, all right, taking all those things together, here's the plan. And we move forward. That's how effective teams work. I think as, as men, that ability to communicate with each other in an, in a place of, of actual honesty, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That works well. It works perfectly. And it doesn't always have to be with some kind of big, you know, something's on fire or something's blowing up. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be a very simple, instead of simply talking about BS at the bar, we can be honest with each other. We can drop the bullshit and we can say, hey, I, I really do have a problem. You know, this is, what's, this is what's going on. This is what's bothering me. I do have a weakness. That's okay. Doesn't change anything about me. But as men, we do have that guard up of, I'm not going to tell anybody until my life explodes. You know, yeah, exactly. basically, I can't contain it anymore. We got to get over that. You know, that's... It's, it's, an, it's an issue we have because of that extreme fear, that extreme fear of being seen as weak or less. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think, uh, I think on that note, we can end this today. Yeah. What do you think, Stuart? You got any questions? That was a good way to no, end that, this. No, that, <laughs> that said everything that was in my head, too. So. Yeah. So well, thanks for coming no, on, Lucian. Absolutely. I mean, you could, I could talk all day, so it's good you cut me off. <laughs> oh, man. We'll, we'll have you come back, maybe. We, no, we, that was awesome. Thank yeah, you no, very no, much. It was great. I, I wish you guys the best of luck. I think it's a great topic. I hope that uh, I hope that it uh, generates a good following because people need to hear it. We posted the first episode. I'm just waiting for it to catch up to everything. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, we'll probably have you on again. Like we're just looking for people to talk. If you have other things that come to mind, just text me, man. Hundred percent. We'll and do. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll see you in a couple weeks. You guys will be down here, right? We'll be down. So when I'm uh, about to head down, I will. Uh, yeah, I heard. I heard Cass is trying to piggyback on that trip with you. Yeah, <laughs> she probably appear. <laughs> she might. Uh, she might go see Stuart too. There's a chance they're yeah in March. She's she going over a couple days. About that, yeah. Well, one of these days, Stuart, I'm going to get over there. It's one of the places I got to go to before I kick the bucket. So be prepared well, to defend your kidney and your yes. Liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one thing Marines and firemen do well, right? Oh, I've seen this man drink, dude. You're you're in for some fun. Well, they have a <laughs> commitment. They yes. definitely more predisposed to this. So you're gonna have to cut me a break, dude. Man. Dude, when they were here, when they were here, it was him and our friend Rookie were here, and Rookie's from UK. Mm-hmm. When we were drunk by nine thirty a.m. the first morning, we had a whole discussion the week before about breakfast beers, and we were sitting in the lobby of their hotel drinking. We were oh. drunk by nine thirty. Listen, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Stuart, looked, Stuart, what was the end of that day? You looked, uh, the next day I saw you, you're like, I think I was drunk three times yesterday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was drunk and sobered up three times in one day. It was awesome. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm there, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening.
Thanks for coming on, Lucian. Stuart, I'll talk to you soon. Later, guys. Thanks. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Good to meet you. Bye.